All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Hey, this is the time. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dismiss for Children's Church now. Uh, and so if you've been um, waiting for that, go ahead and head that way as we get started. I want to say, too, uh, there is something, and this may feel like it's on the other side of the spectrum, but there's more commonality than you may think. Uh, we want to also let you know that this week we are uh, getting started again with what we call our encouragers class. Uh, it is an adult Bible study group that meets on Thursday mornings. And um, I want to invite anybody, if you're an adult who is available Thursday at 1030 uh, for a Bible study, you're welcome to come for that. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'll tell you what, let me start, let me tell this story this way. I had a friend named Linda, and uh, Linda came up to me one time, and she told me, she was like, you know, I have really, really appreciated this year. I've gotten really involved in uh, serving some of our older people um, and giving them rides and stuff. And I said to myself, not out loud, I said, Linda, you're 85. Um <laughs> Uh, newsflash, you are, <laughs> you are in fact, one of our older members. Um, you may think to yourself that encouragers class is really for, um, it's for a generation that's older, and it is. It is. I'm certainly glad that our, uh, some of our most senior members can be a part of that, but it is for you too, okay? And if you want to be a part of it, and if you're in, a, you may be in a transition too, like some of these young school kids are. You may be in a place where you've just recently retired or uh, you just got, uh, you're in a spot where you have that time available, uh, available in your hands. And I want to let you know that you're invited to come to that. Okay, that is for you too. So come and be a part of it. There's a brown bag lunch. If you want to bring a lunch, you can. You don't have to. If you want to bring me lunch, you can. You don't have to. I will have my own lunch, but sometimes I have multiple lunches. Um, we're going to study Psalm 1 to begin this week, and then we're going to begin working through the Psalms. So encourage your class beginning this Thursday at 1030. I want to paint a picture for you. And in keeping with our school theme uh, today, uh, which really does dovetail uh, with what we're learning from the Sermon on the Mount, which is about Jesus, where Jesus talks about uh, not judging. We're going to read that passage in just a moment. But I want to tell you about a community where that makes a difference. And one of the communities in which that can make a real difference is schools, okay? Because I can remember very very, very clearly holding a lunch tray in a cafeteria and getting my food and getting everything piled on it, right? And then walking out past the line, you know, having paid and all that kind of stuff and walking out and then standing and looking out over those lunch tables going, oh, I don't know where I'm going to sit. And I don't know who I'm going to sit with. And if you're in a place, a community where criticism is the norm, then looking out and trying to find where your place is, is very difficult. Now, I need to tell you that in that story, I was 38 years old. I was actually in my doctoral program. And it took me all the way back to being 13 and going to school and looking out and going, 
I don't want to tell you, it was a weird experience. I was like, I feel like I'm in middle school all over again. Because anytime you're in a place where you're not sure if you're walking into a community of criticism or not, it's scary. And it can make a difference. It can be really challenging. And many of our students are aware in their own minds, in their own hearts, they may very well be walking into communities of criticism. And like we've talked about all through the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon for this city can make a difference because it makes a difference if our schools are places of judgmental criticism or not, doesn't it? It makes a difference in what people will experience when they walk into those spaces. That being said, will you stand with me as we read from Matthew chapter 7? And hear the word of Jesus, which is for his early disciples and is for us too. as we forge a new kind of community. Jesus says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your eye, your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Have a seat. When we think about this uh, text, which is about uh, what it means to be a people who uh, live not in judgmental uh, nature, from a, not a, from a judgmental nature, I want us to think about what it means and why we are so, why we so easily slip into a mode of criticism. I want us to think about what it is within us that so quickly can lead us in that direction. And I've got a, a couple of things that I want to point towards. One of them is that we can go in that direction of being judgmental and critical because of our own ambitions, because of the things within us which are desiring to climb the ladder. And sometimes we believe and sometimes it's true that if we can tear other people down, then it helps us get ahead. And sometimes we learn that if we really want to have a place at a table, then we got to get somebody else taken out and make them lose their seat. And we have this kind of nature in our, uh, in our world right now. Because we can very easily in our society filter through all the ratings and filter and see how many stars something has, right? I was thinking about how we live in a rating culture the other day. Uh, I was having a breakfast, brunch, I don't know, it was late, with Stephen and Jackson uh, yesterday talking about like what we're going to do for a book club here at Central. And I suggested a book, and I want you to know that it was about six seconds later that Stephen had pulled up on Goodreads and was like, well, that gets four points. Six, that's pretty good. 4.6 stars is not that bad. 
You can go from that. You can pick your books that way. You can pick your TV shows that way and decide what's the most highly rated show to, to come out. You can get on Rotten Tomatoes and see about that movie you're going to go to on a Thursday night. You can get out uh, Yelp before you decide where you're going to eat for lunch today, and you can see whether it's got three and a half stars. You might not want to go there. It's pretty shady. Or whether it's got five stars. Oh, man, that sounds like good lunch. Slim chickens it is. Check those ratings, right? Can you imagine if there was Yelp for humans? Yelp for possible friends. Well, I'm thinking about investing in a new friendship with Chad Toppy. Let's pull up his scores. Pull Chad up on Yelp and he scores pretty well. Pull somebody else up. One and a half stars. Service was poor, unreliable, could have been cleaner, felt dangerous. Now, that's a silly joke until you realize that Yelp actually does exist for humans because every little institution that's ever been scored on it was actually run by people. We're actually really comfortable with scoring people. Maybe not as individuals, at least explicitly like that. Or have you not heard of some other websites that do exactly that? Here you are, Instagram. Sometimes we believe that that space of being able to rate, and especially rate somebody low for some reason, can be a way of us getting a leg up in the world. Somebody else has to be torn down so that we can be raised up. And it's our own ambitions that drive that process, as if we're in an, like one of those reality shows where somebody's got to get kicked off the island and we don't want it to be us. And so we fight for our place. And one of our most impressive tools for fighting for our own place is taking somebody else out, wounding and hurting somebody else. So one of the reasons why we measure and judge other people and why we criticize other people so freely is because of our own ambitions. But another reason sometimes is not because of our ambition that we want to be uh, powerful or raised up, but it's almost the other side of that. Sometimes we do it because of our fragility, our sins, that we ourselves are vulnerable and could be harmed and could be wounded. And so if I live in fear of somebody else hurting or wounding or rating me lowly, then maybe I should go ahead and get a jump on them by going ahead and stating where I stand towards them. Sometimes it's our lack of confidence in ourselves that leads to us being super critical for somebody else. Our sense of our own vulnerability in the world can lead us to be hypercritical for other people. Not just our fragility, sometimes it may be our ignorance that leads to us being hypercritical with other people because we simply don't understand who they are or where they are coming from. Maybe we haven't done the work in understanding who what, the, the thought processes that led them to act or represent them, themselves in certain ways. And when we're in that position, we leap to conclusions and that leads us to being hypercritical. 
Sometimes our judgmentalism is mostly a shortcut to cover over our own ignorance. And instead of going through the process of asking why a person is acting a certain way, we just assume that we already know. We assume that we already have them figured out. We assume that they are acting out of the same uh, set of choices or maybe the same sets of, of values that we are. And we can skip to this. I want to go ahead and say, uh, while I'm thinking about our ignorance, this is one of those things that our cultural blind spots can really lead to us being critical of people who may not come from the same sort of background that we are, that we come from. We can be super critical sometimes of people from other racial backgrounds or other forms of cultural backgrounds because we haven't taken the time to understand and to listen and to really grasp where they're coming from. And that's part of the reason that a community like Central, which is working to try to become and be a multiracial community, it's important for us to be a part of communities like that so that we can check our ignorance. So that we can learn, so that we can understand. So we can have a sense of what it means for people that come from different cultural backgrounds, who they are. And if maybe if I don't even understand all that quite yet, I'm at least become, become willing to kind of check my ignorance about it. And I'm more likely to do that when I have friendships and when I have brotherhood and sisterhood with people who are in those spaces. When I don't have it, I'm much, much, much more likely to be critical and judgmental, to leap across of my ignorance to conclusions that really aren't valid. I also measure and be judgmental and critical because of my own investment. Now, this might be the trickiest one to think about. Sometimes I'm critical, not just of people that are strangers. Sometimes I can be critical of people that I love very, very dearly. Not just of the people that I don't know well, but sometimes I can be super critical of the people that I do. The people that, not that I have uh, some kind of enmity with, some kind of uh, aversion or, or hatred towards, but sometimes I'm most judgmental of the people that I love the most. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Why? Because I want so desperately for their life to go a certain direction. I want so desperately for things to be good. I want so desperately for them to have the kinds of things that I want them to have, for things to be great, right? And so when I'm in that space, sometimes my own desire to see the return on investment, a good ROI, in what I'm pouring into a person can lead to me holding out a judgmental space for them. So sometimes I'm judgmental because of I want because of my ambitions, because I, I think that that criticism can leapfrog me over somebody else. Sometimes I'm critical because of my own uh, lack of self-confidence, my fragility, which may lead 
need of me to not really consider, um, you know, what's the strengths of somebody else. Sometimes I might be critical and judgmental because of my own ignorance, or sometimes it might be because of the investment and the desires, the strong desire that I have for somebody else. Sometimes, though, it's not really that I've given it much thought at all, but because I've lived with all four of those, I've developed a habit and maybe this is the most sinister of all, because it's not something that we've really given much thought to. We're just doing it because, well, that's just who we've become. People mired in criticism and cynicism and judgmentalism. I think that might be the part that I'm most afraid of that I'll become judgmental without even thinking about it. So for all these reasons and more, a hundred more, we can very easily slip into the habit of being critical communities. And I want to ask, where does that all lead? Where does it all lead? Now, remember that we're talking here in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 5 through 7. We're, we, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the summer, and man, it feels like a long time ago. Go back to the beginning of the summer. We started with the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about being wise and foolish builders, building houses on rock or building houses on sand. And Jesus is going to warn us at the end of the chapter that we finally made it to. At the end of chapter 7, he's going to warn us about building a house on, on sand. Don't build your house on sand by, by listening to the things I say but not really paying attention to it. Do what I'm telling you to do. And when you do that, you'll build your house on a solid foundation because there's a storm coming. And I want to tell you that building a life, building a community on criticism is absolutely building on a sandy foundation that can't hold up. That it leads to disaster. It leads to us becoming increasingly isolated from each other. It leads to us being afraid of each other. It leads to us failing to reckon with our own lives. And a community that is built on criticism will not stand. Because it lacks the kind of cohesiveness, the kind of connection between people that really builds resilience and fruitfulness and love. A community built on criticism is destined to fall, it's destined to collapse, it's destined to consume itself. It's a dangerous place. It's dangerous as an individual, too, because a life of criticism, just a community of criticism, but a life of criticism, and a judgmental attitude that's driven by that or driven by all these forces that leads to it, a life like that is going to have a hard time having the fruits of peace and joyfulness as part of its, part of its harvest. A life built 
on criticism and judgmentalism will bring a harvest of bitterness. How can it be otherwise? Jesus says something different. Jesus warns us against going in that destructive path. And Jesus says, do not judge. One of those phrases that is probably the most popularized form of Jesus' teachings, but probably one of the least popular forms of actually living it. I want to ask you, what is the way of Jesus about this? And I want to offer two principles that I think Jesus gives us very clearly that can help us turn away from a life of critical judgmentalism. The first one is one that we've already been doing so far in the sermon today, but I want to put it in Jesus's own words, right? Jesus says uh, in this text that we're reading today, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your own eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own an eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And really the exercise that we've been trying to do in the first part of the sermon, when we're thinking through all the whys, we're trying to just do a little self-inspection and check out what, is, what it is that's clouding our vision. About the way of Jesus, part of that way is really asking ourselves, what is it that is shaping the way that I see other people? What is it shaping the way that I judge and criticize other people who are around me? Is it because I have these kind of self-ambitions that are driving me more than the love of Jesus? Is it because of a lack of confidence and my own sense of fragility that's keeping me from being confident enough love other people well. Maybe what's in my own eye isn't something like that, but maybe the thing that's blinding me is my own ignorance or my own like kind of distorted love or investment in somebody else. Maybe it's that I have some habit of it that I haven't really recognized. And Jesus' word here says, you got to do some work to take the log out of your own eye, right? You got to get in front of the mirror. And before you go to that place of trying to appraise somebody else, you need to be able to look and say, who am I before this? What is it that drives the way that I see other people? So this is part of the way of this. And the second thing that I want to offer with this is what's going to come after this text. And we're going to spend more time with it next week, okay? But if we go just, or in a couple of weeks, if you look just a little further down, we get to verse 12, right? Chapter 7, Matthew 7, verse 12. In everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, this is what we call the golden rule, right? And the golden rule requires us, it demands that we consider what it would be like to be in somebody else's place, to be in somebody else's situation. So part of the way of Jesus that's important for the way that we think about viewing other people is empathy. 
our capacity to see and perceive other people well, right? And in that space, if we can really become people who don't just take shortcuts in the way that we judge other people, but who rather take the time to see others clearly, that space of empathy, and that forms us into a generous people, a people who can represent with all that we are the love and compassion of Jesus. Now, it's true. I know some of our classes had this conversation today. That doesn't mean that what we do when we have empathy for people is we say, well, looks like they're all good. It's not about just giving everybody five stars, okay? It's about putting something in our way before we rushed judgment. Empathy helps us see people, not just for who we want them to be, but who they really are, who they're trying to be, who God has designed them to be. And empathy asks those questions. What does it really mean to seek the good of the other person? Can we see it from their perspective and really perceive what it is that they need and desire? So this is the way I'm thinking about what it means to be critical and what it means to be something else, what it means to be a people of generosity. And I want to be that generous people because I believe that it makes a difference in our city and in our community. I believe that if the people who are following Jesus together can come to say, we are committed to not being a community of criticism, but we're committed to being a community of empathy and love that generously loves and sees each other and the people around us. I think that kind of community, I think that kind of table, I think it makes a difference to all the people that are standing around, holding their trays, wondering where they're going to sit. Because people need to be in a community where they know the love of Jesus. And, if we ha- and to be that kind of community, we have to follow the way of Jesus that leads us to see each other differently. Hey, listen. Today, I hope that if you're here, I know for many of you, you already feel the welcome embrace at the table of Jesus. But if you're here for the first time, I want you to take that tray, pull up and have a seat and give us a chance. Let's give each other a chance. A chance to really see each other. A chance to really be seen by each other. And let's give each other that space to know and explore and discover the deep, relentless love of Jesus. Hey, if you're in a space today where you've been around the table and are trying to figure out what it means for you to belong, I want to welcome you 
to take that take a chance today and to to come and to say hey i i want to be a part of a community like that we've got somebody today owen king has decided that he wants to be baptized and uh part of what he's saying in that story is i want to be a part of a people that lives out the love of jesus and I want to say this morning as we close the sermon that if you're in that space too and you want to join Owen and join the rest of us in the journey of becoming a people of love, and you're welcome to do that while we stand and sing together.